The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell. Hello and welcome to the second instalment of The Running Podcast with me, Brian O'Connell. Hope you're all well. I actually managed to do a bit of running in the last week or so, although I made the classic running mistake of having been off for two or three weeks. Uh, I think I mentioned last week I got COVID at Christmas, followed by a chest infection and had to go on a course of steroids and antibiotics and all the rest of it. Um, So having not run for maybe two or three weeks, I did too much on my first week back and it kind of knocked me out for another couple of days. But this week I'm up to about about 30 miles, so kind of trying to get myself back uh, into shape to take on this marathon that I'm doing in about 10 weeks time. So I'm about three weeks behind, but um, sorry, should have turned my phone off. There you go. It's on silent now. Should be OK. I think if you have a bit of bit of running in your legs, it might actually help. I don't think it's actually a bad thing to have had a couple of weeks off. Have a race next week, the John Tracy 10-mile race down in Dungarvan. Fantastic race. I've done it the last few years. Don't expect any PBs, but uh, I think I'll go down and probably run, run it like a training run. We're getting a bus down. Could be a long day. Very long day. Our coach does a version of Bad Out of Hell. That's, uh, yeah, well... um, a couple of things this week. We have Mary Jennings, who is a running coach, columnist with the Irish Times. Anybody who's listening who thought, you know, January's coming around, I think I'll start running for the first time, or maybe you haven't ran in quite a long time. So she's really good in terms of how do you get back into running? How do you start running? What are the ways to avoid injuries? She's a lot more zen than I would be. I tend to be the kind of runner who has to have targets and goals and you know, weekly mileage ambitions where Mary is much more zen about it, I think. Probably has a much more balanced approach to it than my approach, which is a little bit of all or nothing. So we'll chat to Mary Jennings. That's coming up in a little bit. After that, then I'm going to uh, get out of the home studio here and go runner shoe shopping. So I think I mentioned last week, I think it's a good idea if you are going to start running or if you haven't ran in quite a while, not to go to the bottom of the wardrobe and dig out the old pair of runners that are worn down to the tread. I think it's a really good idea if you can go to a running specialist shop, which is what I'm going to do. There are plenty of them around the country. The advantage, I think, of a specialist running shop is they'll analyse your gait, they'll look at how you hit the ground, whether you hit the ground with your heel first, whether you hit the ground with the top half of your foot first, um, they'll look at whether you have a wide foot or not and they'll essentially match the shoe to fit your running style and your your foot shape. Could help minimise injuries, may even help a little bit with performance. So I went into a shop in Cork, John Buckley Sports. John Buckley was a very, very well-known runner. There is a, a debate, if you like, out there. I've read peer studies which have analysed various carbon non-carbon which have looked at whether more cushioning is better less cushioning is better you know some people like to run barefoot some people like to have as little cushioning as possible between whatever they're hitting be a tarmac or grass and and their feet 
some people like to have a lot of cushioning and a lot of support. Maybe they have ankle issues and they feel that it gives them a bit of an edge. And then you have the whole debate about the magic shoes, the carbon shoes, be it your vapor flies, your alpha flies, whatever it is you're into. And depending who you talk to, some people will say it'll give you about an 8%, 10% perhaps advantage, which in a in a 5K is probably is huge in a margin it's huge it's a couple of minutes off your time so we chat a bit about that in in john buckley sports and obviously john buckley sports is just one example of a shop there are plenty of specialist running shops around so that's the plan for this week mary jennings coming up next hope you enjoy the rte running podcast it's really hard isn't it to start running i mean you you might have a different opinion but i just think those first four to six weeks are difficult oh it's hard and do you know what i sometimes think it's even harder if you've been a runner before and you're coming back to it because you're you're comparing yourself with who you were say this time last year or this who you were five years ago god you know, think god 5k used to be no effort to me and now i'm out of breath after 10 minutes or you know or less you know so i think a lot of it's what's going on inside our heads too. Um, so that's why I would be of the mindset of yes, why absolutely having a date and a diary and a pressure of a deadline can really be helpful. But it's trying to manage where you are between now and that deadline realistically as well. Not saying I want to get back and run, say a park run at the same time I did last February. That might be perfect for somebody, but it might also be unrealistic depending on the type of year you've just had. I would be a believer in the process of, of believing in the process of getting out and consistency. Get out the door three times a week. Leave the ego at home. You know, if you walk more, that's fine. Slow down your pace, your chatting, or go with someone who will take the focus off you, clock watching the whole time. You know, even you say, look, let's get out and go for a chat and whatever we walk, whatever we run. So once you, you know, get over that hump of, oh my God, this is hard work, then like anything, it starts becoming easier when it's part of a routine. Yeah, and I think one of the things I'm learning now, I didn't learn, I'll, I'll talk to you about my run Sunday in a minute because it was a bit of a disaster. But one of the things I'm learning is that you can't run slow enough, essentially, in terms of your slow miles. And mm. it's that consistency and the volume, isn't it? Like sometimes you would see people who are maybe just starting running or starting back and they're really exerting themselves in a way that looks very difficult and looks very uncomfortable. I mean, a lot of it comes down to what is your goal of running in the first place, you know? Make um, the Olympics. Oh, yeah, the Olympics. Yeah, you might have a time goal there. But, <laughs> but you know what? You you look at the, the top end runners as well, too. A lot of their runs are leisurely place, social runs. If you talk, say, as a beginner, like I coach a lot of beginners classes and groups, and our very first thing is, if you can talk and run at the same time, that's okay. Let's aim to talk and run at the same time, even if you're talking to yourself, because that's a guide on your breath then. Are you pushing yourself too much? If you're pushing your breath too much at the start, you know, you're going to tighten up your muscles. You're going to make your running more restricted. You're going to end up impacting your posture. Plus, you're also going to think in your head, oh God, running's hard work. I need to get to the end of it. And almost like rushing to get to the end of the run. Whereas if you can, there's a couple of tools you can use, you know, um, physically to just kind of help yourself slow down. And, and it might be that, feeling you can breathe and talk at the same time or one which we can talk about another time is closing your mouth because in that case it kind of slows down your pace you won't be able to push yourself beyond but also even accepting that people are not watching you no one is looking at you no one is judging what speed you're going at they don't know if you've been out running for the last hour they're going to pass by you in a car for two seconds and think oh there's another runner in january they're not thinking oh god look how slow she's going or how fast she's going or how red faced they are or look how breath they are so a lot of people, I think, when they're starting a run, feel they need to look like a runner. They need to push it on. So they don't even realize they're pushing their body. They look tense and tight. Whereas if you think, could I run relaxed and comfortable? You actually will. It'd be better for your body overall if you're breathing your posture, but also you're holding less tension in your body. And where you know? do you stand on um, listening to music 
listen to oh listen whatever distraction it takes go for it but be safe (laughs) and be and be sensible i would be a one headphone or one ear only headphone person within you know safety and comfort and all that if you need podcasts friends uh music whatever distraction you need go for it but within the realms of safety as well a little bit of cop on too i think this time of the year both safety of your awareness of even just traffic and you know slippy leaves as, as we record this is an icy morning here and you know you just need to have your wherewithal but if it makes you get out the door yeah go for it i mean the one thing with music um is about how the beat of music can impact your stride so that's that's a whole topic we can talk about another time but um if you're running to a beat that's kind of slow music a beat but your stride will end up at that beat which may impact your efficiency when you're running so you'll notice some songs you feel great in and other songs you feel like you're plodding and that's a lot to do with your body adapting to the rhythm you know? that's so, so interesting i never i never and i'm probably doing myself out of some podcast listeners here but mm-hmm. i never listen to anything when i'm running i just yeah oh listen it's great yeah. that breathing and like i run by a river here i'm in blarney mm-hmm. the river just around the corner so i run into that ri- river most days and it's yeah not to sound too hippie-ish but it's the sound of that river kind of centers you a little bit Listen, that is that is the grand plan. I mean, if you talk, we do a lot of work with mindful running and clearing your head. If you think about it, that may possibly be your only time of the day when you don't have technology attached to you. You mightn't have different responsibilities. So it's a freedom thing. And um, while I say take the distractions you need to get you out the door, I'd be a big believer of turning it off once you're comfortable. And like that, you're listening to your breath. You're just noticing what's around you or actually you're just not taking in input. If you think of it all the time, we've stuff, even if it's just a radio or a telly in the background or whatever, there's stuff coming at us to actually be able to let it settle. And, you know, it's like people say, getting their best ideas in the shower or when they're walking or when they're running, it's time for your, yeah. your brain to unravel itself. Yeah. Or I don't know if that's the right word. But just yeah, I mean, I often find after, idea. yeah, I often find after a run like that, I have to, I come home and I quickly have to write things down and I know yeah. that that, that I processed like and um, without really consciously trying to go out to process things. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because obviously this is our first chat, the classic do's and don'ts of starting to run. Maybe you're thinking of a 5K, like a park run in six weeks yeah. time or something. Number one of all of those things is you are where you are right now, not where you were in the past for any different time. So start now as day one with zero expectations on yourself, with the only aim of the goal to be get out the door three times a week. What you do on that run or walk is is immaterial at the moment because you're looking at the grand plan for six weeks. You want to get to six weeks or eight weeks without injury and enjoying it, start slowly and gradually into it. So no kind of crash diet January (laughs) approaches to it. So it's not like go for 5K and hang on. Like that's not not ideal. Um, The second thing then is comfort and safety, I would say. So I'm of the mentality in January, pair of gloves, two pairs of socks and a hat. You can take the hat and the gloves off as you warm up. But even I would like our gang, I do a lot of virtual coaching and I've done an indoor warm up for them, five minutes indoor warm. So they can even warm up inside the door before they go out. So if you're more warm going out the door, you're never going to get any colder than than the start. But if it feels easier for you to be to do a little warm up inside or walk for five minutes beforehand, and then you can take off the layers as you go. That comfort gets a lot of people out the door. But at the and same where time, are you on stretching beforehand, Mary? Sorry to cut across you. Like um, one, one school of thought I've come across is you don't stretch cold muscles. Yeah, I suppose you could you could broaden out the word stretching. There's different types of stretching, but let's move it to there's when you think of stretching you think of like the holding stretches you know like where you're kind of like pushing a tree away from you or that type of thing those i would be more inclined to do later on at the end of a run um but as a by stretching at the beginning or by warming up mobilizing your muscles it's it's warming you so it's movement stuff so whether that is um 
we call it dynamic stretching. So you're kind of moving through a range of motion. So even just walking, getting moving, and then you know the kind of moves like like an active stretch. So you're 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 keeping your body warm and moving. Hard to okay. describe. <laughs> I guess, yeah, but, no, no, I know, think I know what you mean. Yeah, you're mobilizing. You're you're yeah. warming up. You're stretch by stretch. You're not holding the stretches. That's that's my take on it. You're kind of just loosening everything out. So you're moving. So like a yoga type warm up. You know, you see people. You're familiar with yoga, like sun salutations, five minute or ten of those before you went out the door, or a five minute walk, and you just move how your body feel like it needs to stretch and move but I don't necessarily need to hold stretches at the start some people who have different niggles and different parts of their bodies know they might need to loosen their calves a bit like up and down a step for a little while or they're tight into their shoulders so they roll their shoulders or but you get to know your body very well and like you say when you're out there you're you have time to notice oh this feels tighter this feels loose and then you can build those into your warm-up as you go but yeah so definitely so to go back to sorry the beginning of for beginners starting back you're comfortable so your clothing you're comfortable in you don't need to spend big money you probably all have it already the stuff you need the basics but i think the gloves and the hat makes it, it more comfortable getting out the door and um, pacing then when you're on the go go at a pace where you feel you can comfortably breathe and talk at and don't be afraid of taking um walk breaks in fact i'd encourage them because every if you're only going as far as the next walk break your head will stay in that section rather than thinking oh god i'm out for half an hour you know so there are lots of couch five training plans there's loads of structured get to 5Ks. But sometimes if you're coming back and running and not sure where you're at, why not go by your breath and say, okay, I'm going to jog along for a couple of minutes, see how I feel, then walk for a few minutes and go again. So you get to know then, say by the end of week one, I know I can run for five minutes and walk for two. And you kind of then gradually reduce the walking as you build the running. But I really wouldn't focus on speed till you're back comfortably up at your 30 minutes or 5K or 40 minutes, whatever that is for you. So you're taking the focus off that performance, but instead the routine, the getting out the door, feeling comfortable, safety is the other thing. Like I mentioned earlier, just a little bit of awareness of your surroundings, um, both this time of year with the weather and then with traffic and headphones and things like that. And um, there's a lot of lit up areas that um, like GA pitches light themselves up for tracks for the winter time. And just be aware if you are going out in the darkness, I suppose, of, you know, um, where is the best area for you just for your own uh, space and comfort as well. Um, and let me think other things in terms of starting out. I think it's really nice to track what you do. And um, so just a little check in with yourself every Sunday to even write down what you achieve. Even if it is, I take a photo at the end of every run or yeah. you don't have to write big essays, but just to see your progress because you yeah. will progress, you know, as you go. And of course, Garmin and Strava and all of these apps are quite good at. Yeah, there's loads of technology out there. Digitally documenting want. where you're at and monitoring yeah. your heart rate and seeing where you are in terms of zones. So in other words, how much exertion you're using yeah. on your run and all of that. Now, I know you can go down a rabbit hole with that stuff, which I But you can also just see how do you feel, you know, yeah. that's the other thing. Exactly. Is running feeling hard? If it's feeling hard work and you're starting back, slow down, take a break make it easier on yourself like the last thing I want anyone to be is injured at the end of January because I've done too much and then they're frustrated they can't do anything at all so less is more at the start and you'll find particularly if you're on a comeback it'll come back gradually and if you're new to it sure it's the longest run of your life every week if you're new to it so don't rush it you okay, know so that's that's someone starting out now let me tell you about the classic mistake I made Sunday so I got COVID and a chest infection over Christmas I'm two weeks behind on the marathon program and okay. I did I did four miles Wednesday, six miles Friday. The breathing was a little bit laboured. And then I slotted back in with the group on Sunday morning. And did Is that a long run? Yes, three okay. miles Sunday morning. And the last okay. two miles were fairly rough going, I can tell you. I ended, I ended mm. up in the last... And my legs are sore today for the first time probably in about two years. Okay. I've never felt sore legs. So, with sore so what legs, have you learned, Brian? 
what have I learned? I probably and I'll probably do the same thing again next week. Um, what I've learned is that I was anxious that I was two and a half weeks behind. So you've you know, as you know, fifteen week marathon training block. Yeah. I'm now thirteen weeks from yesterday. And I felt I needed to get up to speed really quickly. And I suppose if I'd taken an extra couple of days just to ease back in, I'd be in better shape for next week. So we have a track session tomorrow night, which I'll be in fairly rough shape for probably. But then again, you kind of have to run on tired legs, don't you? Like I have I feel like I have to run today for four or five miles, even though my legs are sore. Why? Because all their runs will be up on Strava this evening and I start getting panicky. (laughs) Okay, so let me ask you this. And this is now, I don't know, this is our first time talking about this. I don't know anything about your training plan. I don't know anything about your running goals. But I would ask you, what are you to gain? So you're saying, so um, you're saying Monday, you're doing a a slow, steady run. Is that what your plan is? Slow four or five miles. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow, a speed session? Tomorrow night on the track, yeah. Okay, so... I would say this is now me without how much you're training. Your most important run of the week is your Sunday run. I know. Yeah. yeah. So what can you do this week to make your Sunday run a success? Like if you miss, I know everyone's different time with things, but if mentally, if you miss next Sunday because you're too wrecked to do it or you have a bad run next Sunday, that can play away in your head for the following Sunday. Whereas if you maybe do less during the week to make your body, what can you do this week during the week that's going to make you as fresh and ready as possible for Sunday? So that's, I suppose being adaptable with a training plan as much I know it's in the plan you have to do it you see the lads they did five miles tonight but they had two different weeks than you had maybe the previous week you know and you'll see this is totally normal by the way we're kind of it's the keeping up feeling we're missing out but if your goal is to feel good next Sunday in your long run what can you do this week to make that happen that's how I would approach it you know when I see people I would do a lot of training for for summer or like autumn marathons so I see people having a panic oh everyone else is doing their long run and I'm not doing mine so I need to catch up but oftentimes the way to catch up is to do less so that you're ready for the next long run. And now I agree, you kind of feel maybe like, oh, if I miss a speed session, it won't be as fast. But what is your goal? Is it endurance or speed at the moment? And um, the strong base, I feel, is, is a good start. But everybody's different. It depends how much your long run has taken out of you yesterday. <clears throat> I'm sorry, just to say there are loads of different ways to train for a marathon. Have you done marathon training much before? This would be my fourth or fifth. Now, the last two didn't go according to plan. Okay. And can you pinpoint why that might have happened oh i can come up with about 100 different reasons as to why it happened yeah yeah <laughs> none, of them, none of them are my fault <laughs> the best thing i would say to you is you i know you feel like you're on the back catch up for the last two weeks but look at all the weeks you have to come and all the weeks that you have to peak in your training and, and all the rest like that if you had january is getting like the month of january to get yourself your solid endurance base then you're back up with the lads you're doing your thing you're feeling comfortable rather than feeling on the back foot and wrecked the whole way through. I mean, yeah. I would be a big believer in enjoying marathon training rather than putting yourself through marathon training. So maybe thinking about what do I want to get out of this month of January and then pull that back in? How do I want my long runs to feel? And what can I do during the week that's going to make my long run feel better? There's a lot more to just the mileage to make your running feeling good, you know, too. Thanks, Smith. Yes. All the best. Bye. Take care. Bye. Now. Bye-bye. The RTE Running Podcast. And the plan is we'll we'll chat to Mary a couple of times over the next few weeks. So if you have any questions, get them in to me, brian.o'connell at rte.ie. Get me on Twitter and I'm also on Instagram. Any advice you're looking for and I can put those questions to Mary. We might have her back in about two to three weeks time. So that was Mary Jennings. 
She gave me some good advice. So as I said at the start, I wanted to have a look at running shoes, to have a look at the benefits, if you like, of going to a specialist shop and getting the right shoe basically for your feet. And as I said, I'm going to get out of the little home home studio I have here. And I'm going to go into Cork City Centre where I met with Connor, who works in John Buckley Sports, which is a specialist shoe shop. In fact, most of the people working in the shop are really good runners. Mark Hanrahan works there. I think he's a four minute miler. But anyway, Connor took me through the basics of the kind of shoes you should get, why you should get fitted and how particular types of shoes will suit particular people. So I think it's worth spending a little bit of time on this. So the basics are, first of all, what level you're at. Are you just starting out? Have you ran before? Three, basically three foot types. Uh, Strong arch, medium arch and a low arch. So this is the middle part of your foot? Correct. Uh, It's a transition from your heel to the ball of your foot. You can get particular type of runners then related to the type of arch you have? Correct. Uh, So the stronger your arch, the less help you need from the runner, but the more cushioning. It may not make a difference in the first uh, month, two months of your running cycle, but after that it's uh, pressure kicks in you need if you need a lot of support you better have it in your shoe if you need a lot of cushioning you better have that in your shoe because it will come against you because there is one school of thought isn't there that the least amount of support you have almost like the barefoot running type of school of philosophy yeah you do you all, hate that um i never really bought into it well when you think about it um we're all running on man-made products like concrete tarmac very hard surfaces that wasn't there where the Maasai were running. You know, the Kenyans, they're all running in dirt tracks, soft ground. Their feet were naturally strong. And Whereas the reality is, if you start in Ireland, you are going to be on tarmac, probably. So give me an idea, then, if I'm starting out, it's January, I'm going to do my first 5K, I'm getting off the couch, what should I put on my feet? The idea of the shoe, really, which is you need to go to a specialist store like this, get fitted out. We take into account the... As I say, the shape of your arch, um, the transformation from your heel to the ball of your foot. The width of your foot is very important as well. Some people come with a perceived idea that we just pick a brand. Uh, Brooks or Asics are the best. I heard they're the best. doesn't really work that way. It works the what suits your foot. In terms of striking then, so some people will hit the ground with the top part of their foot first. Mm-hmm. Some people might hit the ground with the back part of their foot first. Will that impact on the kind of shoe? Uh, yes, generally the guys who land on their fourth foot would generally be very good sprinters. Uh, if they're trying to do long distance running like half marathons or marathons, you'll find their heel will have to drop eventually. So a good starter shoe shows here what people might go for. The Nike started out in the early 70s for shoe, Pegasus. Probably one of our cheaper shoes in the shop. You can get a Pegasus for 110 euros. Um, but you better have a fairly good arch for that. It has absolutely no support, but it's a lovely cushioning. You can r- go to his cousin, and then you move to your go faster, guys. I don't know if you remember the traditional racing flat where you do your 100 miles a week training, and then race day you get into a very minimalist shoe very close to barefoot but you're using on race day only that's gone gone with the wind it's 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 all the alpha flies okay the so the, these are all the so-called magic shoes the carbons 
the ones that are going to help me break the two hours in the marathon yeah if you have the ability to do that it might give you a percentage chance of breaking that will it though Um, well let's put it this way they're probably they are the most expensive shoes on the market they are built with carbon plates and nylon plates they are expensive to make so you're looking at the ones here the zoom x 300 euro probably last about what 250 miles exactly you're not buying it for longevity it's uh, you're buying it for uh, speed and performance going to probably gives you propels you forward so if Brian has a pair of these and his competitor doesn't the theory is Brian is going to end up maybe 10% time ahead of him you know time wise the other thing I've heard about them as well is they aid recovery because they're absorbing the energy and kind of throwing it back to you so you're not using as much well that was there in the 70s but it was called energy return system so the shoe when you land in the shoe it propels you forward to get energy into your legs do I believe that? probably not but they got to market the product as well but with the carbon plate it doesn't make a difference 300 euro 300 euros that's what they are you know um, but they start from the price of uh, 150 and they would be the nylon plates which is very high performance as well runners some runners can be very very competitive whether they're doing a two hour marathon a four hour marathon a six hour marathon they want the best on their feet yeah well you know. I held off wearing them for a while and then I began to notice because I thought they were more an elite shoe but then as I turned up the races pretty much everybody was wearing them pretty much everybody because they're, the guy at their level is wearing them so now I'm at a disadvantage so maybe I should have a pair The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell There you go so it's hard to avoid the magic shoes that's about it for this week hope you enjoyed it second instalment of the podcast we're going to run it until about mid-April next week we're going to look at strength and conditioning I'm going to spend a bit of time in a gym Get some expert guidance on the kinds of dynamic stretching, what you could be doing at home in terms of core strength. So that's about it. I hope you enjoyed it. Mind yourself on the roads if you're out running. Chat to you next week. The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell.